Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode. It is the middle of the week. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and I need you to know that... If you are not following me on Instagram, today is the day. We have a ginormous giveaway going over on my Instagram. It's at Jamie Ivy. And if you're listening to this in real time, you have time to get in on this giveaway. I need you to know that. If you're listening in the past, just come find me anyway. We'll have fun from now on, but you might have missed the giveaway. It has to do with our book, Compliment. And you know that our book, Compliment, releases in just a couple of weeks. It actually releases on March 2nd. And it is a book that my husband, Aaron, and I wrote together about marriage. And the conversation we're having today with my guests is also about marriage. We hope that our book, Compliment, will help you get you and your spouse on the same page. We really believe that marriage can be thriving and beautiful, and God has big, big, big plans for it. But we know it takes a lot of work and intention. And so this book, Compliment, is Aaron and I's encouragement to you about how we can be spouses who compliment each other. Today on the show, I sat down with two people, actually, you guys. There's three of us today. My guests today are Matt and Lori Krieg. They're both people I've been wanting to have on for a while because I read their book recently, and I declared... This is one of the best marriage books I've ever read. And my husband, Aaron, is always like, well, what about ours? I'm like, okay, ours, you can't say your own book is your favorite. So that's out. I highly recommend you getting their book called Impossible Marriage. Lori works with churches on biblical approach to marriage and sexuality. And Matt is a counselor regarding sexuality and marriage. Like I told you, they're the authors of the book, An Impossible Marriage. And they also host a podcast called Hole in My Heart podcast. Today on the show, they share their story of Lori's same-sex attraction and yet their commitment to fighting for their marriage. Matt and Lori are so vulnerable about their challenges and the importance of taking moments to remember that God truly does see us. I loved it so much when they talked about allowing God to work through us to meet the needs of others and the wonderful gift that marriage is to show people the gospel. I think you're going to enjoy this episode today. So here is my conversation with Matt and Lori. Lori and Matt, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. We should let the listeners know that you guys are so very special because you were the very first interview in our very brand new spanking amazing podcast studio. And it's amazing. Thanks for letting us break it in. We need to like smash something on a wall or... Like they do on the ships? Yeah. yeah. Lindsay, let's get a bottle of champagne and <laughs> yeah. smash it in here. Christen it. <laughs> yeah, we need to christen it. But seriously, I'm so grateful for you guys. So will you just introduce yourself to my listeners and where you're from? Because you don't live here in Austin. So how'd you get here? We jumped on a plane from Grand Rapids, Michigan, snowy, freezing Grand Rapids, Michigan. So this is... Welcome to Austin, Texas, Thank where you. I have on a sleeveless shirt and a little bitty kimono. <laughs> yeah, I will take it. We are from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm a teacher, writer, fellow podcaster, and now newly minted author. But I've been in the ministry field of equipping the church with a gospel-centered approach to marriage and sexuality and been leading that for the last about six years. And Matt was a part of the ministry. And then it turned out working with your spouse that closely wasn't the best. Yeah. So I broke away from the ministry and started my own counseling practice. So I am a counselor, a licensed therapist in the state of Michigan. And the focus of my practice is on issues regarding sexuality and marriage. We still speak together a lot <laughs> and love each other. Just not. Yeah. I'm not his boss anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Aaron and I always say we could never work together because we would both want to be the boss. And so it would be really, really stressful at our house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the reason you guys are here is because you wrote a book called An Impossible Marriage, What Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Has Taught Us About Love and the Gospel. I told you guys I was going to gush about you real quick. I've had this book. When did this book release? October 2020. I think I've had it before then. Like, I think I got an early copy, all the things. I had heard about you guys in this book, and I just was like, I don't know what to think, right? So I take it with me on a trip, devour every single word of this book every single word. And I came home and I told one of my girlfriends, I said, it's one of the best books I've 
read on marriage. Wow. Guys, um, thank you. It's wow. one of the best books I've read on marriage. And I went into this book thinking, I don't know that I'm going to relate to them that much. Wow. And it was so gospel driven. So guys, I am so grateful for this work. Thank you. That's our best, best compliment in that field. Because if you can relate to me, there's not this othering that can happen in conversations. Yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read. This is not a quote from you guys. I love reading quotes in the books, but I want to read this because I want to start the show like this. You quoted Tolkien in here and you said, when the glamour wears off or merely works a bit thin, they think they've made a mistake. He's talking about marriage and that the real soulmate is still to find. Hence, divorce to provide the if only. And of course, they are, as a rule, quite right. They did make a mistake. I'm reading this on the beach and I'm like, what do you mean, Tolkien? They made a mistake. And then I, I keep reading. He says, only a very wise man at the end of his life could make a sound judgment concerning whom amongst the total possible chances he ought most profitably to have married. Nearly all marriages, even happy ones, are mistakes. In the sense that almost certainly, in a more perfect world, or even with a little more care in this very imperfect one, both partners might have found more suitable mates. And here's the kicker. But the real soulmate is the one you were actually married to. That quote really stood out to me, and I thought it kind of summarized your book a little bit. You call it an impossible marriage. And so I would love for you just in a nutshell, and then we're going to dive deeper, obviously. In a nutshell, tell me a little bit about your—give me the very high view of your story, and then let's dive in. So I experience attractions toward the same sex. That's probably the one that's the very different piece that can maybe feel a bit unrelatable. And yet I'm married to a dude. (laughs) Matt, how about you? (laughs) I don't experience attractions to the same sex, but I am married to you. (laughs) But we have found when we hit a point seven years into our marriage, which what is with that year seven? I feel like that hits a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I was really wrestling with staying in our marriage, and I had to ask some big picture questions. The first one being really what he alludes to there. It's that what if, Mm -hmm. which really under that is what do you want? And I had to ask that question, do I want to be in this marriage? And that led me to, well, you know what? (laughs) I probably don't want to. What I do want, God. I'm annoyingly (laughs) devoted to God. And, And I say that with tenderness and no shame of myself. But I started there, and then it went to confession. And then that led to really the trajectory of the book, which is really asking and unpacking two major questions. What is marriage? What's the purpose of it? Like, actually, not just like, oh, yeah, Ephesians 5 or something. And then what's the purpose of sex in marriage? And it's like the glue. Isn't it something about the glue holding the marriage together? So those were two things I had to really wrestle through. And not only I had to wrestle through it, but you hear it from Matt's perspective as well. And we're both asking those questions and reaching what you alluded to, that gospel answer. Yeah, Matt, I love the way the book was set up as well. You guys take one chapter and then you each write about that chapter. And the book actually, it felt like I was on this journey with you. I mean, you guys didn't leave anything out. Maybe you did. I'm sure you might have. But it felt as though you led us into it all because it felt messy. It felt difficult. It felt scary. I found myself in the book wanting to just go to the end. I'm like, I need to know how does this end up? So I wanted to skip it all. I didn't. I stayed the course. Good job. I read it, how it was done. But I wanted to know the ending so badly. And so you let us into that and you both share your stories. Now, Matt, you come to the table with your own struggles within mm-hmm. marriage. And so the seven-year thing, but what did that look like for you guys previously? Because y'all had walked through something harder earlier in the marriage with you struggling. Yeah. So six years into our marriage, I came clean with a secret pornography addiction that I had harbored. I mean, since like the age of 11, but it had been well managed when we first got married and being someone that thought marriage was going to make that all go away. I thought that while I'm managing it and it's gone and for the first year it was, and then I fell back into it and I fell really hard. And so then for the next five years after that, it was just this secret life. And I mean, Lori could attest, she would look at me and I just became more and more and more depressed and despondent and distant from everything. Mm. And then coming clean to her was actually the hardest thing I think I've ever done in my life because I literally at that moment thought my life will never be the same. I will never see my wife again. I will probably never see my daughter again. But God had different plans. And so that was kind of the precursor where I approached marriage in a way that I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. And in some ways still don't. Yeah. But I've learned a lot and Lori has learned a lot. And so there was this, I came clean with my struggle 
And you would think that would be like the end of it and it's great. But then there was this moment after our second daughter was born where there was just this memory that Mm -hmm. awoke in Lori. And that really started a season of intense struggle in our marriage and really confronting a lot of idolatry on both of our parts. Yeah, Intense struggle feels like an understatement from (laughs) how it sounds in the book. And Lori, when Matt came to you and confessed this and he's thinking, she's leaving me, she's taking the kid, all the things, which I have never had that drastic of a moment within my marriage, but I understand how vulnerable it is to lay everything on the table. I mean, you almost feel like whatever happens is just, I don't know what's going to happen. What was that like for you with Matt's confession? At first, I was just beyond angry. And you can imagine with some of my history, but I don't want to put myself in a box right now because I think there's a lot of women who have been hurt by men or really struggle with viewing men in with God's eyes and men the same viewing women with God's eyes. And so I already had these biases against men in general and being like, well, they're all addicted to porn. All they want is sex. And then it was like, but Matt is the one man I trusted. So when he came forward, I was like, oh, no, you are them. You know, I was like, it like confirmed all your suspicion. Yeah, they're all bad. They're all terrible. And this, don't you know, this promotes sex trafficking. But then the spirit was like, Lori, what do you struggle with? I was like, mm, attractions to the same sex. You know, I struggle with, well, lust toward women sometimes. And he's like, what's Matt struggle with? Lust, lust toward, women. toward women. But somehow this is worse. <laughs> and then I started asking questions, Jamie, of the heart behind it. And really those questions, that was the spirit. I really leading those questions where I could where I could get to the heart of my stuff that yes, there's it's a product of the fall, but there's also a heart thing behind it, which we get to, into in the book. This need to be seen, desired, and known by God. Same with Matt, seen and known and desired by God, but it's not me that's supposed to see him enough. It's only God. We just go to these false idols. I do that. Matt does that. Bam, humbled. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about these core needs that you say, because you guys talk about this a lot. And again, I was reading this on the beach and I read almost your whole book to Aaron Ivey. So he's heard it all too. (laughs) Like he didn't even need to read it. You talk about core needs and you say there's 10 of them. Is this you guys saying these 10 or did you get this? You made them up. Okay, I'm going to tell them real quick. Affirmed, desired, included, loved, nurtured, purposed, rested, delighted in, protected, and noticed. And I remember reading those and thinking, wow, how many times in my life have I wanted those things just from Aaron alone? Okay, so like I'm like, Aaron, give me, give me, give me, give me. And I mean, still, we've been married almost 20 years and I was reading this. It was like, oh, and Aaron and I even talked and we said to each other which one we needed the most. And then I got like three pages in after I read these things. And I, you guys give an example about, say, like a woman. So let's say there's a woman who's a stay-at-home mom. And all day long, she is not going to the Lord. She's just doing her life. She's doing her things. And then her husband walks in the door and he's tired because he's been working. And all of a sudden, she needs all of those 10 things from him. So can you talk about that? Because that was really eye-opening to me about what that would look like for me as a wife and for Aaron as a husband in our situation to find those things throughout the day from the Lord, how would our meetup at 5.30 look different? So what was that? What does that look like for us that are listening that are, you know what? Let's just say this. Yeah. This doesn't have to be just married people. Yeah. Roommates, mm-hmm. children, parents. Yep. Whatever. So talk about that, those needs. Yeah. So those needs, I love, and I use those in my counseling practice all the time, just because so much of our behaviors, the things that we like ask for or talk about or whatever, they're not always relatable. But once you get down to that need level, there's a lot of understanding between a parent and a child, between a husband and a wife, between anyone who has had a different experience and different kind of natural drives. But those needs are universal. And so For example, if I'll use our marriage as Mm -hmm. as an example, if I come home, one of Lori's chief needs is to be seen. Or noticed, we call it. Or noticed. And one of my chief needs is to be desired. And so if And what does desired mean so people don't oh, only yes, yes. think sexually? And, yeah. and we're actually thinking about <laughs> altering the language a little bit because desired often It does has, like our culture makes it sound like, oh desired. get over here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's like, translate. <laughs> and let's face it, that is an aspect mm-hmm. of it, but it's much more this like sought out, mm. like to be pursued. And even that has a sexual undertone, but the sought outness, like Mm -hmm. where it's like, I want to see you. And Mm -hmm. so I am coming to see you. And so like, if I walk in the house and I'm like, I want Lori to desire me or to, to seek 
me out. Oftentimes that would be, I could either try and like perform to try and get her attention Mm -hmm. or she might come looking at me to notice her and she might be saying something and I'm just dead tired, Mm -hmm. emotionally exhausted. And it's just flying way over my head. I'm like, my counselor brain is off Mm -hmm. and I have no like emotional capacity left. And that can be very frustrating because we're both approaching one another with this desire to meet our own needs out of our emptiness. Mm. And if instead, if we were able to go, yes, primarily in relationship with God, but then also in ordered, like proper good relationship with other people, if other people are also noticing Mm. us and affirming us, and there's a sense of belonging, like that is something where we can then come together. And rather than just seeking our own needs, it's like, okay, how can I show this person not what I want, but how much God loves them and be an avenue that God can work through me to meet their needs Mm. as opposed to this very self-focused mentality. Yeah. Practically for me, that looks like, because I'm a combo working and stay-at-home mom. And Matt, you see how little kids we have, (laughs) go talk to dad. Matt is the, the opposite. He also, he was with the kids in the morning and then working in the evenings. So when I'm with the kids, I think that's when I feel the most drained. So yesterday, for example, I'm like, I just feel like everyone wants and needs from me all the time and everyone's mean and ungrateful and it's hard and it is hard and people are ungrateful and our kids do want to take a lot because they're six and four and one, but I'm sure at any age it is that. But for me, practically getting those needs met from God, it does start in, you know, the word whenever you can. It doesn't have to be always the first thing a day. That's the best for me. It gives me a buffer to the grading the world does on us. But when people are texting and needing things and calling and our kids and mom, 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 honestly, for me, I just close my eyes even for two whole seconds and I go, Lord, this is hard. Do you see me right now? Mm. Am I seen by you? And bonus points, if I can picture him with me in that moment, Mm. in the kitchen, mess, mess, total dump of a house, do you see me? But there's something in that, and that's such the posture of so many psalms of lament, where it's like, God, Mm. and then it's, I know you're good. And even if I don't get to the, I know you're good, just picturing him with me, there's a steadfastness in my own feet. Then when Matt comes home, I'm less empty, give me, give me, give me. And then if he does see me or notice me, it's more of a gift Hmm. as opposed to the whole meal. That's so good. I was really, really, that part in the book spoke to me so much because I remember my life is different now as, you know, my kids are all in school and they're like big kids. Like, I don't even know where they are sometimes, that kind of big kids, right? But I remember in those moments as a stay-at-home mom, and I'm grateful for those days, but I remember just feeling so drained. I have a friend who, one of my favorite things about her is that she all the time will imagine Jesus sitting with her. Mm. And you guys do so much imagining thing in here, like where I was like, this makes me like uncomfortable a bit. It's so beautiful, but I'd be so nervous. I don't like to get into my feelings either. So Matt, don't even try. (laughs) But (laughs) you got to worry about Lori. But my friend, she will, she'll go as far as to set another cup of coffee down. Wow. When she's in her car, she does a lot of praying in her car and she will imagine Jesus with her. And I love that so much about her. It's encouraged me in my prayer life. But I even like how you just said that, like, God, are you here with me in this kitchen, in this mess with this laundry? Lori, you mentioned something earlier about when Matt confessed, it almost did this whole, like, I knew it. All men are bad. All men are this, fill in the blank. You talk about in here, you said, I saw only brokenness when it came to sexuality. People sexually assaulted kids. Men and women were addicted to porn. Men and women used sex as a power play in their marriages. One person seemingly always felt dissatisfied. I could talk to any adult person for one minute and hear at least one story of sexual brokenness in their life. And you talked about, is this a good thing that God made because you see so much brokenness? And you do believe that it is goodness, but you had to get there. Mm. What was that like for you of really truly believing that God had created something good and man had made it broken and not vice versa? Oh, girl. Uh, So just know what I'm going to say is over a series of years, our book was really occurred at least over two years or more. So I first had to go to God with, all right, I'm all into this marriage. And then I had to understand what is marriage, which can I go there for a second? So I used to hear lots of marriage talks growing up, you know, growing up in the church. And I'd be like, Ephesians 5. I feel like the pastor was like, oneness, men and women, wink, wink, oneness. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
So it's a euphemism for sex, Mm -hmm. is it? Mm -hmm. Are you just trying to tell us to have more sex? Okay. So again, you hear my biases. However, I read Francis and Lisa Chan's marriage book. And that was one book, marriage book, I did not throw across the room when we were in our marriage pain. And one thing they talked about, he really throws so much scripture in there, was Ephesians 5, of course. But my spirit was ready to hear it Mm. because there's so much marriage language out there, Jamie, so many podcasts where it's so much gender jabbing. And I don't mean like the jokes, like, oh my goodness, you know, but more like there's an angry bite to the gender jokes about all men, you know, all they like is their tools and scratching themselves and I don't Mm -hmm. know, meat, Mm -hmm. (laughs) women, you know, or Target or Mm -hmm. something. But when I read Ephesians 5 and just how he laid it out, just in, and I was also reading Christopher West, he has some great stuff, Catholic writer. They talked about how this Ephesians 5, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall be united into one. This is a great mystery. And I'm talking about Christ in the church. What's the great mystery? Oh, that men and women fall in love? No. It's that God wants to marry us. And so the sex difference isn't a cosmological joke or a cosmic like punishment, you know, because you hear this, oh, we got tricked into marriage by our hormones, but then we put a ring on it, but God hates divorce and ha ha, you're in a covenant. No, sex difference is this beautiful picture, which how different is God from humanity? ontologically different. He's far above every ruler, power, and authority, it says in Ephesians 1. And yet he wants to and will marry us. How different are we from God? And yet, if God has called us to marriage, we get the privilege of living and showing the world a 24-7 gospel picture in our homes, in the grocery store, and to our friends and neighbors. How God wants to be one with us. So that wrecked me, getting that, oh my goodness, it's not about even what I want if I'm attracted to this person or that person. It's, God, I'm in with you. You have called me to this marriage. And I see this sex difference as a beautiful thing that when we die to self, we show the world how you died to be one with us as we be one with our spouse. So then sex inside of this gospel metaphor is a gospel metaphor inside of a picture. It's a picture in a picture. And so when you come together, which this came from asking pastors hard questions, this answer, and I start interviewing couples, I would just like ask them, how's your sex? What's going on in your sex life? And the husband would be like, oh, great. And the wife, you see this flash of pain. Mm. And now I'm not, please don't run away from me. I'm not gonna (laughs) grill you anymore. I was in a season of pain. But I was like, is anyone happy? And so I started grilling and asking people, and it led me to good theology and good books. And one pastor that said, it is good. He said, there's been a lot of pain there, but it is a bone-rich experience. And there was one day, I write about it in there, where God, I was journaling with Jesus, maybe in a scene that made you a little uncomfortable, but we were having this back-and-forth conversation. And what in my spirit, what I sense is he said, Lori, what if I wanted to teach you something about the gospel in sex with Matt? And it'd been years. <laughs> Celibacy was a part of our marriage at that point for a while. And I was like, I don't even know. But somehow that invitation and that question, Jesus always asking questions. And he asked me that, what if I wanted to teach you something about the gospel? Do you think I could? And I don't want to give it all away, but I will say now I am able to accept experience sex with my husband. And it's not just this physical thing or this, oh, you know, maintenance sex or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's that time of the week. Mm -hmm. It's, I get to experience, mm, I get to share with Matt, that's, this is one thing, how God wants to and will be holistically one with him. I don't really know how that works Mm -hmm. in eternity, but I'm just speaking about the marriage of the Lamb Mm -hmm. in Revelation. So I get to share that with Matt, this holistic oneness. And I get to experience that too with Matt, just this, um, what we're going to experience in eternity, guys. And it's a fraction, it's a glimmer, but it's crazy that like, it's actually a good thing. Yeah. It's crazy. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. 
Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now Travel Texas offers a one of a kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. You said this, it kind of sums up what you just said. You said, imperfect married people are called to serve as a metaphor of this gospel reality. Husbands and wives, regardless of attraction, are to lay down their lives to be one with each other, to show the world how much God loves them. Attraction has very little to do with this. The gospel has everything to do with this. I think one of the things I came back after reading your book, as I told Aaron, because see, I just tell Aaron everything I read. It sounds like, (laughs) I was like, I think people who are about to get married should read this book. Because to me, it made marriage not only more beautiful, more purposeful almost when we talk about it in this way about how it's this metaphor of God's love for us and his marriage to us. And those are some really big church concepts that honestly can feel weird. It's a mystery. It's like, I don't get it. It feels weird and all the things, but I trust it because I read it and I trust God's word as what it is, all of it. But you guys did a really good job of saying this is what marriage is meant to be. You talk in here about having to pursue each other in ways that felt uncomfortable to you and different for you. Matt, you talk about having to pursue Lori in ways that were not what you would normally want to pursue like that. And you guys each, like you've said, have felt love and the core needs differently. What did it look like for you, Matt, to have to find new ways to pursue Lori within all of this that you guys were walking through? Yeah. So the natural default for me would be to pursue Lori with a physical touch, which Lori is not a physical touch person. So it started, I would want to come and give her a hug. And she's like, what does that hug mean? And she would kind of like shudder a little bit. No, I do need to say real quick is that there is a a trauma layer to this. So this isn't just, oh, Lori just had to give up her attractions and barrel through. I hope it's very clear when you read it that there is the attractions part honestly isn't as much of a focus (laughs) as dealing with a lot of the trauma. So when I say shudder, it wasn't like, oh man, it was, I'm getting triggered right now. So was this just when this happened after your child? Was this not for the first couple of years of your marriage? No. Okay. That's what I understood in the book. So maybe we should say that too. Mm-hmm. to make this clear like i'm gonna do it and you tell me if i'm wrong married a couple years have a baby 
memory comes back, trauma, and then you journey into what yeah. this book is, a yeah. really hard season of how long in your marriage? Two? It was a couple years. Two, three yeah. years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is what's happening. So there mm-hmm. you go, Matt. Yeah. So rather than just being free to come and engage with her physically, it was like I had to start to learn how to vocalize and conversationally express my love for her, my desire for her. And honestly, this is still a place of learning. I'm learning more and more that I need help when it comes to accessing my own emotion and expressing that. And so in this season, rather than just blindly pursuing physical connection, I had to start really focusing on pursuing more emotional connection and and spiritual connection and all, all sorts of other connections. Just the physical couldn't be the avenue because of that trauma that we were connected. And that was definitely a shift for me. And when, again, the physical isn't just, oh, so then I just wanted to pursue sex. It was even like, I'm crying about something. And Matt's default would be to silently hug me. If you're someone who's experienced trauma and you're in a trigger zone, a silent hug is like triple trigger zone. Mm. So it was so awkward, guys. But Matt would be like, is it okay if I hug you? which is so, look at him asking for consent in our marriage. Isn't that precious? Is it okay if I do? And then I go, what's your hug mean? (laughs) Like, are you asking for something? Which so many married people, like, can relate. Like, every hug is, you know, Mm -hmm. we know where we're going. Yeah. But he'd be like, this hug means I love you and I care for you and I'm sorry you're sad. That deflated the anxiety and helped us to move on instead of getting a stuck position where I'm triggered and I'm gone. It was an opened up conversation and relationship. Mm -hmm. And you had to do the same. I mean, you were in this season not really interested in Matt, no. but you had to choose to still love him and pursue him. And what did that look like for you? So I even made a list, which you can read early on in the book. And one of the things was to hug him in the morning and before he goes to work and when he gets home. And again, guys, I'm not talking about, you know, this is Lori just trying to make herself straight or anything. When we got married, I fully knew uh, my attractions toward the same sex. So did Matt. I just knew I surrendered them daily to the Lordship of Christ, like everyone's called to do. But I was called to marriage, therefore married. (laughs) Marriage to a guy, because that's what I believe about marriage. And God called me to marry Matt, not all men. So just so you know. (laughs) But the book, really, I feel like that's not even a lot of the book. I know. It really, that's like maybe the first chapter, but really the focus was on this trauma memory that I used every tool in my toolbox that I knew how to use. I'm calling on my favorite counselors, my favorite mentors, and no one knew how to unlodge this. And I was like, this is we're stuck forever. So I did the thing I could do today. And one way that I stepped toward him was intentional hugs. And then just, I really wanted to make sure that I was present, mind, heart, body, spirit, every time I touched Matt. And so instead of just, oh, just grab his hand. It was, I want to tell Matt I love him. And so I'd think inside myself and then I'd hold his hand. And because Matt and I have this, like we talk a lot, he knew what that touch meant. It translated for him very quickly. You know, as you guys are talking, I would imagine some people are listening and thinking, golly, that's a lot of work. Yeah. You guys, like, I think you should have just thrown in the towel. This is so much work. And all of us here have a faith of, you know, like you said, we see that this marriage is more than just two people married. We see this gospel picture. But at the end of the day, it's so hard. What kept you guys willing to show up every day to this? Mm -hmm. I mean, so hard. Besides... Obviously, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying you can't say that, but I mean, someone's listening going, my marriage sucks and I want to throw in the towel. Yeah. They didn't. Why? I started with God. That's chapter one where I'm wrestling with him on a silent retreat. And I was like, I don't want this. And he's like, but do you want me, essentially, to paraphrase chapter? And I was like, I do want well, I want your gifts is what I really wanted. I want your comfort and the blessings. Truly, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be honest. But I was like, if I want that, you're the only source of that. So I want you. And if I want you, then I want what you have for me. And it's this marriage. So for me, it started there. And I keep saying that because that's the top part. But then I did have to switch my thinking, dear friends listening, from are we going to make it to how are we going to make it? And I started praying toward that end. And I remember staring at my ring more times than I can imagine, our wedding ring, and thinking, this is literally the only thing that's holding us together right now. And so I would just do whatever sentence prayer I could help and how. Matt, what about you? God was obviously the primary component of it. But if I'm being honest, Mm. the kids were a massive piece of staying together. There was a weight 
to separation. And the kids were a big piece. I mean, the fact that we were doing ministry together was also a big piece. Like, okay, (laughs) you know, everything falls apart and all of a sudden we're destitute. And so it's, it was something that all of those, those were kind of the tangible things. But I remember sitting in bed after a time when I had maybe tried to pursue Lori. And it just, it was not happening. This Mm -hmm. was in the season of kind of celibacy in our marriage. And I was in this process of fasting from sex and really trying to go prayerfully to God. And I was like, okay, I'm hearing God say, I need to get up and go read the Bible. And I read Psalm 16 and literally wanted to just chuck my Bible across the room because I was so angry. It was saying, well, surely you've, you've led me to such wonderful, my boundary stones are set in this pleasant place. And I'm just like, I'm not feeling any of this mm. at all. But then the very last verse talks about talks about heaven. And it, it's this where it says, I will experience pleasures eternal at your right hand. And so that was one of the things that it was like, okay, take the focus off this immediate situation that we find ourselves in and keep your eyes on heaven as where you will truly find your rest. Mm-hmm. And at that, I was like, okay, I'm yeah. glad I didn't chuck my Bible yeah, across yeah, the yeah. room. Thank you, God. Uh-huh. But, you know, that that was the thing that, that really gave, mm-hmm. I guess, me the strength to just keep going yeah. when it would have been yeah. very hard and easy. Yeah to give up. You know, it's like that verse when Paul talks about the momentary struggles are leading to an eternal glory. And if we think about like momentary here on earth, they do not feel momentary. It feels grand. It feels so big. And I think what I see such a struggle within a lot of people is they can wrap their brain around a momentary struggle of like an illness or a loss of job. But when it comes to marriage, so many people would feel like you don't have to endure that momentary struggle because you have a choice. Whereas I may not have a choice with cancer and I may not have a choice with losing a job and I may not have a choice with a child passing away. Whatever that momentary struggle might be, momentary struggle in marriage, I'm out. I don't have to endure this struggle, you know? And so I want to ask you, you have a, a really great chapter about not walking through this alone. You talk about calling your dad. You talk about your friends, um, Sarah and Ryan, about really enduring this together. You guys just told me that in this time you were in ministry and a lot of people would think, we're in ministry. We need to keep ourselves together and don't let anyone know. A, did anyone tell you to leave? And B, how important was it for you to invite people in? We didn't let everyone in. I have had strangers try and rescue me from my marriage. Quite a few, actually. Because of your same-sex orientation? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, frequently. And when Matt came forward with his porn struggle, it's interesting. That was also, I call it the man-hater club. They're ready. They're mm. ready and raring Get to rid go. Of him. Oh, yeah. They're ready to, you can jump on our island. But I really was prayer. I was so scared to let people in for reasons that you just mentioned. But then, too, trauma is a big issue. Attractions to same sex feels like a big issue. And people don't know. Like, I'm so glad, Jamie, that you started this out being like, oh, my gosh, I can so relate to you. Because if you can, then there's words we can exhort each other. I'm not on some special category anymore. Mm -hmm. There are some unique nuances, but no, I don't get a get out of marriage free card because of the way I'm broken. And neither do you because, you know, for whatever issues you are. So I was so scared for those reasons. But I think anyone would be scared to talk about their real life, especially in ministry. So I was just prayerful and we just had to. How many times, Matt, did we sit at our honey dripping kitchen table? Just like, who can we even call? Mm -hmm. Who can we ask? We tapped all of our like favorite counselors and we were still at a loss. And so we just invited some friends in and they honestly didn't have all the answers. Why them? If you went through your whole list and you're like, who can we possibly tell? Which I also appreciate you saying, hey, we didn't let everyone in because I do think that's very smart advice. But to not have anyone would also be poor advice. How'd you pick Sarah and Ryan? I mean, they were newish friends, but here's a big litmus test for me for the last I don't know, 20-ish years of me even waking up to my own versions of brokenness. I, my ears, and often people who are in my category of brokenness, we are perking up for your reaction to, quote unquote, the big sins. If you guys are flying off the handle about XYZ affair, blah, 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 I'm never going to tell you mm-hmm. about my real, I might talk about it on a stage, but I'm not going to invite you into my pain. These friends didn't freak out about the big sins. And that made them, made us at least step toward them with um, some of our pain. I call that sin shock. 
Ooh, girl. I write about it in my first book about I need to be able to talk to somebody yeah. and I don't need to see this look of shock on their face like, oh my. Yeah. How could you? I'll pray oh. for you. Yeah. I mean, I need them to take the biggest thing I tell them be like, mm, I know. Yes. I get it. I've been there. Yep. Yeah. So you're looking for that. That's really good advice. I'm going to put that in. I'll quote you every time I say it, but I'm going to remember that. So how do people react when they hear the big scandal, the big this, the big that? I remember when I was younger, I mean, I got pregnant in college and that felt like, who can I tell? Because I grew up, well, I won't tell you what denomination, but like having sex and drinking was like, those are the two worst things you could ever possibly do with your entire life. Right. We don't care what your heart's like, <laughs> what your pride is like, nothing. And so I was always just like, I don't think I could tell anybody this because right. it's the worst thing I could possibly do. Right. Which actually looking back now, I'm like, if I would have told them I was having sex, that'd be bad. But then I got pregnant. Oh, oh. Like I hypocrisy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Sarah and Ryan, yeah. you invited them in. And I love it because am I right about this that you guys like go to dinner with them and you're trying to fill it out and then it just kind of comes out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the mouth dump. Yeah. Yeah. And they reacted no it, sin shock. No sin shock. It was tears. Mm. And that was for what we you guys. For us. Yeah. Not like this, <gasps> you know, gasp tears, which that would be very messy, I feel yeah. like. But it was really, we are with you and we are in this. Mm -hmm. And even when we told them, I think I had like 0.4%. I gave it a percent of hope for our marriage surviving. I read that. It was very low. You had a different number. Am I right? It's like five. <laughs> yeah, it was maybe a little higher, <laughs> yeah. but it was yeah. it was still very low. Yeah. Yeah. So even when we said that, they just looked at us and like, we are in this and we are committed to you. And that felt like, you know, the friends lowering the paralytic down to Jesus. That's, I would think about mm. them a lot when I would be staring at my ring and being like, how, God? Yeah. And what about for you? I remember you reached out to your dad, yeah. which I, in that moment, was like, I pray that my boy right. would reach out to their dad when right. they're old like us. And right. yeah. Was there a little bit of shame or uncomfortableness of feeling like maybe I'm a failure and I have to tell my dad? Mm. No. Good. No, there wasn't. And a big reason for that, my dad, my mom passed away a couple of years ago, but the last probably two decades of their marriage, it was very cold. Mm -hmm. My dad would pursue, pursue, pursue my mom over and over again and really not get anything in return. And that's that's honestly how I felt in this season of our marriage, where I was like, I'm trying to love her. I'm trying to love her. But it was like, I wasn't her husband. I was an assailant. And so I was just like, my dad will understand. Mm -hmm. And he had walked that journey for so long that I felt like I just needed to know, dad, how do you do it? And I remember crying at the bottom of, you know, our kid's playset in the backyard and just weeping with him. And him and my mom were both on the phone weeping with me and just praying for us and everything. And there wasn't like the answer of, oh, well, you just need to go mm -hmm. to God and read these verses. Yeah. And it was just like this understanding that he had been in a a similar space mm. to where I felt at that moment. Yeah. You know, the thing that I love so much about your book, too, is the relatability of, you know, awesome marriage, hard marriage. We've been married almost two decades. And what I've learned is, like, it's unpredictable. Mm. There's no way to know what it's going to look like from day one to day 20, no. you know? And it, that's what I think is so difficult and maybe a blessing in disguise, you know, yeah, on that wedding day, you. a little mm -hmm. bit of shielding, you mm -hmm. know? But just to know that there are other people who are walking through hard marriages, that's what I think is such a blessing for you guys in this book and coming on the show is just for people to realize, man, I don't feel so alone. And although they don't have you guys to go out to dinner with, they can still hear this and feel they're not alone. So I want to ask you to speak to two people real quick. I want encouragement. One, I want you to encourage that person that's listening that feels like these people are telling my story. Different verse, different chorus, different problems. This is me and my spouse. I want you to encourage them. And then I want you to speak to the person who is, God has called them to marriage and they're not there yet. What can you encourage them with that journey of marriage? Let me start on the first one. Sure. Okay. So if you're listening to us today in these conversations and you're feeling like, man, I relate so much, I just want to say that I see you and we see you. And more importantly, God sees you. And so even after clicking this off, I would just encourage you to just sit for a minute and maybe do what I do in my best moments, on my best days. <laughs> just God. I'm hurting. This is hard. And, and even just like, I love how the psalmist names it. My enemies are attacking me. Like, say the sentences to Jesus. You've probably been saying them maybe inside or to friends, maybe. Just say them to him and then wait. 
And I just pray, I'm going to pray for you as this comes out, just that the Lord, through the Word or through just His still small voice, just you get a sense of His seeing you and His knowing you. And then I would just encourage you, you're welcome to reach out. You know, you can reach out to us if you want, but just tell one person. And I love, I'm borrowing this from Tim Keller, actually, just because he actually uses this about Bible verses. I'm transferring it to people. <laughs> Ask the Lord to make a person look radioactive to you uh, that you could reach out to and just tiptoe into inviting them into the journey. And again, you're not bringing your empty cup to them. You're bringing your empty cup to the Lord, and you're inviting them to help carry this burden with you. And then take that step together. Maybe do this book together. But really, I think that's a, those are good first steps of Jesus and radioactive friend. <laughs> I love it. Radioactive friend. Does he say find a radioactive verse? Yeah. Is that what he says? Yeah, okay. Keller. That's I've, what, it's I've never heard him say that. I love I it. Okay, go ahead. Matt, what about the people who are either dating, engaged, or neither, Mm -hmm. but they really feel like God's calling them to marriage? I would say do a good assessment of what you believe marriage is supposed to be. Because often, 100% of the time, you are not perfect. 100% of the time, your spouse will not be perfect. And 100% of the time, we come into marriage with these false notions of what it's supposed to look like. And so to take a, a little bit of stock of, okay, what do I believe marriage is going to give me? What do I believe marriage is going to fulfill in me? Because you won't be fulfilled in marriage. You will be disappointed if that's what you're looking for. And so to really first work on your marriage with Christ, and then if he's leading you to being married to a fellow brother mm-hmm. or sister, then you get to work on your marriage with yeah. them. I think that was one of the biggest things for me was going into a marriage, really believing the lie that Aaron was going to complete me and right. he was going to fulfill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you remember that line from Jerry Maguire? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a classic. Every girl swoons. Yes, that's what I want. Right. And I bought that lie and I wanted that. And then when he couldn't, I didn't understand why, what was wrong with us, you right. know? And so it's a difficult situation to find yourself in when you're putting so much expectation on someone else mm-hmm. that he could never give me. But isn't that such a good ache if we're willing to sit in it because it's going to drive you, Jamie, drive me, drive Matt, drive Aaron to the Lord mm-hmm. of like, God, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> this person is not doing it. God, will you? And it really, it keeps our hearts and our affections on things above and anticipating eternity. Those 10 core needs were really, I've said this before, they were really good Mm. in just a reminder of, man, God, you are the only one that can actually fulfill these perfectly. And so that was really good. You guys, thank you so much. I'm just so grateful for your ministry. I'm grateful for the love that you have for each other. I'm grateful for the perseverance that you put in. You know, my favorite verse is just what suffering does. You know, it produces things in us that we could not have without suffering, character, and endurance, and hope, and you have that. Thank you for having the courage to pick up a book that you're like, I don't know if I'm going to relate to this, and having the humble courage to look in the mirror in it and exhort us. Just thanks. Oh, man. I'm just grateful for y'all. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. All right, guys, what are some things that you're loving right now? Are you reading books? Are you watching TV shows? Are you cooking the new thing? What are you guys loving? I don't want to say this, but I'm loving being convicted about my own areas of white supremacy. Oh, <laughs> this is a fun love. I'm sorry. It's I just was reading. I'm actually reading Daniel Hill's book, White Awake. And so I'm, I was reading on the plane here. And I'm like crying and I'm like, oh, this is so good. So I'm really grateful for good conviction. And I don't know exactly where it's going to lead. We've done some podcast episodes on it, but I'm just excited for good conviction. Yeah, that's one of the best books I read last year. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he was on the show, and it was just fire. We're yeah. interviewing him in a couple weeks. Oh, yep. he's great. He's great. I love that book. What about you, Matt? Are you reading anything? Loving anything? Well, I read a lot of nerd books, as we like to call it, like fantasy or sci-fi, just because counseling is so real life. Yes. I want a little escape. I'm loving the Austin weather right oh, now. Oh, welcome to Austin, Texas. Yes. <laughs> and and also my word for the year, which we pray about, is play. And so I've been loving having a less rigid approach to how I connect with God and just approaching him more playfully. I love it's it. It's been fun. What was your word? It is generous ninja. <laughs> oh, I've never heard ninja in someone's uh, word of the year. I haven't either. So tell me what it means. It just means we're just looking for ways we can just kind of more covertly be generous with people. Okay. And so it's been really sweet. Generous ninja style. Yeah. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> What's yours? I don't do that. I've never done that. You have one for me? I think you guys, do y'all do that? Do you we give don't out do words? It. I mean, we'd have to like do a session, Jamie. Are you ready? You're ready to dive into your heart? <laughs> well, next hour. <laughs> I'm like, you did talk in your book about how when you meet someone, you like go straight to how they're feeling. I and I was like, <sighs> she see me? sweating. I, no, I don't. I'm fine. <laughs> no, I do have to ask you guys this. And listen, if you listen to my podcast, whatever I'm loving gets brought up all the time. Can I ask you what TV show you're loving? Yeah, totally. What are you loving? So we watch right now. Okay, life is intense, right? So we're in 2021. And then Matt's a therapist. And I'll tell you what, shocker. We have young kids. Mental health is uh, terrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) globally. Yeah. So our lives are very serious. And so we've actually been watching these like island escape shows where people like take up their lives from the States and they go and move to like Italy or something. And then they pick a house. There's no conflict. There's nothing (laughs) serious about it. And it's a great escape for us. Or Great British Bake Off, which is, yeah. Okay. And that is a good one. Great British Bake Off. You guys, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thank you so much for having us. You guys, this show today was so packed with just encouragement and nuggets of wisdom from both Lori and Matt as they shared their story. If you're interested in talking more about marriage, I recommend two books for you. Here we go. I recommend you get An Impossible Marriage by Matt and Lori Creek. And then I recommend that you get Compliment by Aaron and Jamie Ivey. In all seriousness, Aaron and I are really big fans of people investing time and money into their marriages. And sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's a conference. We also have our marriage challenge, which I recommend you get in in on as well. All that can be found at AaronandJamieIvy.com. If you're looking for anything about the show today, it's easy. Go to JamieIvy.com slash HH363. That is because this is episode 363. So you'll be able to find everything there that you might need. Guys, thanks for listening today. Thanks for spending an hour with us. I hope that today you're leaving this conversation uh, more encouraged, maybe more in love with Jesus. And if you're married, I hope you're leaving with wanting a heart to be more intentional with the marriage that you have. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. Matt Graham wrote the music. Abigail Castell writes the show notes, and it's produced by Lindsay Sweeney, and I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. Join us on the next episode as I sit down with my friend, Lisa Harper. She's a dear friend of mine, and you're going to love our conversation. Guys, have a happy hour with a friend, and I'll see you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.